The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Welcome to For the Love of Wine on Fresh FM. I'm your host, Kirsten Rotsgaard. Today I'm joined by Matt Dicey of Dicey Wines in Central Otago. Kia ora and a warm welcome to you, Matt. Kia Kirsten. Nice to, nice to be chatting on a yeah, good afternoon. Absolutely. So tell me, how's life in Central Otago at the moment? Good. Yeah, definitely, definitely chilly. Um, but we're through, we're through our pruning, so uh, really exciting to, to be through there. And looking forward to another wonderful season, hopefully. Now, tell me, Matt, why do you make wine? <laughs> why do I make wine? It's a it's a, a very leading question. Why do I make wine? Um, I uh, discovered a, a love for wine. Actually, it's something that, uh, as a family, I'm a fourth generation vineyard, so. Um, wine maker, grower, um, all of those things combined. So it's in your DNA, uh, basically. It is somewhat yeah. in the DNA, and it, but it wasn't sort of a fated thing. Um, I was sort of treading my, went to, through school, with treading my own path um, and um, ended up failing in my sort of first path, which was as an engineer, and uh, then coming down and my folks were just um, establishing a vineyard in Central, uh, so I ended up coming down and help help them in, in my spare time, seeing as, as I wasn't sort of at varsity full-time um, at that time, mm-hmm. and um, ended up uh, just sort of really understanding what a career in, in wine could potentially look like, um, and had this amazing um, lady who was sort of one of the instigators here in central Otago, and Pinkney, um, come over, and she, she'd been trained at Geisenheim mm-hmm. in Germany, which is a wine school there. Uh, and sort of, I, I got to sort of quiz her on a, about her life in wine, and um, and I was coming at it from a, a chemistry degree at that point. Um, and it, it actually really sort of caught my caught my fancy, as this might be something where I could um, combine a, a sort of the interest I had in chemistry um, with the love of the land, uh, something that the family was doing, uh, and, 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 and at the same time sort of be, be somewhat creative and, mm. and innovative. Um, and all of those things sort of really appealed. Uh, so, you know, even though, I, as I said, I wasn't sort of fated to have a, a career in wine, that was the path that I, I actually went back to university and did a master's degree in enology and viticulture um, with, sort of with a focus on, on Pinot. Uh, and, and that began the, uh, uh, sort of the beginning of my wine career. Yeah, and many people, Matt, will know you as the chief winemaker at Mount Difficulty for around 20 years, and we will come back to that. But now for you and your brother James, it's all about Dicey Wines, which you founded with James. How did all this come about? Um, well, we, we had sort of... Um, uh, so many, many moons ago, so we've got to step back to early 2000s, uh, my wife and I found a property in Bannockburn, um, and at the same time, 
Um, we we also sort of um, found a, a, another portion of the property for my brother James, um, and it was the sort of the, the carving up of the the last of Kenmuir Station, which was one of the the large stations down in and around Bannockburn. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we sort of got access to to the land, um, and and right from word go, you know, the aim for for us was at some point to do our our, our own thing. Um, and for a few years later, we, we sort of kicked it off with a, a project called Ceres, mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of trickled along in the background, but, but never really got any focus. And there are a number of reasons why why that as a brand doesn't work. New Zealanders and people in general can't pronounce it. <laughs> um, so, it, it, you know, it does, it, and it, even our friends couldn't remember the, the brand name. Um, and um, and there's a there's a large organic company called Series. So there was a lot of confusion in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, we that, that's what I thought about when I first saw yep. the name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there was sort of confusion as to who and what it was. Um, and um, we sort of had one of those moments where we went off with uh, a friend of ours who we'd sort of employed in a in a marketing advisory role, um, Morvan McCauley, and had a, an awkward session in what we called the the yellow room of death. <laughs> um, up in Auckland, it was this terrible one of those terrible meeting rooms that was echoey and yellow. But it was it, it really sort of focused us on you know what was it what was it about making wine in Central Otago that was important to us, um, growing grapes, um, our project, the family, and uh, you know as much as dicey as a name, it was never about us or trying to drive an ego project. Um, it's actually. A, a reasonable name, so remove the fact that it's our surname, and you know it's, the the, defini- the dictionary definition is sort of dangerous and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes back to you know Central Otago. Um, it is cold. It's on that sort of edge of of making wine, which is which is where all the great wine inevitably gets made, especially Pinot. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were there were a few things that uh, that we felt it was sort of a, a actually quite an appropriate match. So you know as we were as I was exiting Mount Dibley and we were going to focus and somebody was actually going to jump in the business full-time um, and try and really drive it, and that's when we said, right, okay, well, let's go through this process and, and now's an opportune time to, to rebrand and, and get into it. So Dicey, Dicey was born sort of uh, a couple of years ago now. Mm. And how's it all going? Oh, you know, uh, it's been an interesting journey. We, uh, we, we launched in February of last year. Um, just prior to the pandemic kicking in, Ooh, um, nice timing. And uh, so yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant timing. And and uh, and I'm sure in in future years we'll look back and laugh at it. Mm. Um, but it was a really tough year last year to try and launch anything. Uh, every time you know, I've, I probably had more dollars banked with Air New Zealand than we did in the bank account. <laughs> every time we tried to do anything, uh, we got turned around or cancelled or got plans got upended. So. You know, with the best will, endeavour, and planning, uh, we everything was sort of um, sort of kiboshed or or really sort of hard to, hard to sort of action. So it was a, it was a really tricky year to launch something new. Mm. Um, but having said that, we still made it. To, uh, we we still made it to Christchurch. We we made it around the lower half of the South Island. Uh, eventually, we made it to Auckland. Um, we had actually been on a my wife Alice and I, and then and then James joined me. Uh, we had a 1971 Holden Kingswood um, that we that we recently purchased, and we we did a roadie in that as the launch, and drove up the country um, with the aim of being doing a, a launch event at, at the uh, 
VIP area at Western Spring Speedway, which is uh, not not all that fancy, but it's quite a cool venue. Yeah. Um, and we got we got to sort of Hamilton before the Auckland got locked down. Oh. So we we never made it to, to Auckland, and then sort of m- mooching around the middle of the north the North Island, the, the car blew up and protested not making it to Auckland, <laughs> uh, and 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 then we had to fly home. So yeah, everything with that sort of sums up sums up last year a little bit. You know, we best endeavours and we tried lots of different things, but um, a lot of things didn't work, but a lot of things did work as well yeah but you, you've certainly you've made the wines uh now it's just a question of, of getting them out to market there so talk me through your portfolio of dicey wines what are you yeah, doing so, well we've we've um we were lucky enough as i said to, to, to build the to build these vineyards in the early 2000s and we we started planting the vineyards um at that time so you know the original o2 plantings were were purely were purely pinots. The oldest bits of bits of vineyard we have, which are, which which stem from them, are all about Pinot Noir. And then we did another planting in '08, uh, some more Pinot and a little bit of Riesling. Um, and then step forward to 2015 is our next batch of planting. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, Central's renowned for Pinot, but actually there's some opportunities with other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we planted some Chardonnay and we planted some Chenin Blanc. Um, and we planted a little bit of Gamay, um, and then finally, uh, we last sort of plantings we've done, and this is all of our land is now planted out. We did in 2019, uh, and it's a little bit more Pinot, and but this time with a little bit of Syrah as well. So, wow. um, yeah, the the portfolio is actually quite broad. Yeah. Um, what about and- the production? What size are we looking at? How many millions of bottles are you producing? <laughs> So we're lucky enough to have 20 hectares mm-hmm. um, of land um, that's, produ- that's producing producing grapes, um, uh, as well as a few cliffs that produce a bit of bit of, um, bit of briar and the odd rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so in total, we, we've got sort of enough for, for doing about seven eight thousand cases right. um, of of wine. So that's and, and for us, that's a, that's a brilliant size to be. Yeah, and and is it a viable business for you uh, already, given how young it is, and we all know how difficult it is to make money in wine, or do oh, you actually? Yeah, you know, yes, it will be, but you know that that's about getting the sales curve up, and you know, there's so much money that gets invested and in, and in working capital for stock, mm-hmm. um, and it's such a long term to to get the from from growing a grape into making the wine to to selling the wine. Um, so we're in the middle of that nasty sort of sucking lots of cash into into creating stock at the moment. Um, but we've also had some, as I said earlier, we have had some really good results from the marketplace as well. So mm-hmm. uh, we've got a fantastic distributor here in New Zealand with Red and White. Yep. Um, and we have a, a really good distributor in Australia with Saints, um, as well as a couple of distributors in other markets, the, the US and the UK and Ireland. Uh, so we've really got sort of a, a little a little following going, and you know it's about it's about growing that and getting it out and into more people's glasses and mouths and homes and. Uh, just broadening our reach, really. Yeah. Now, speaking of uh, Gamay, as you mentioned before, um, there is a few other wineries in Central now that make Gamay, and uh, Bob Campbell, the famous uh, wine writer and master of wine, he says that yours is actually the best local Gamay he has yet tasted. He calls it a real charmer, which is a nice little um, description. Um, and and he also calls Gamay poor man's Pinot. Uh, do you agree with that statement? Uh, look, that certainly it's that's been it's it's life. Unfortunately, 
you know, it was the it was the poor man's pino. If you go way back in time um, to the kings and the the kings and the princes of of Burgundy, mm-hmm. and you know that that's when it sort of got those that nickname of poor man's pino. Um, and it was very much sort of the second second fiddle, um, and it and it grew really well in in Beaujolais. So it, it really never quite got the and and to be fair, as a variety, it's super friendly, it's super fun, it's fruity, um, exuberant. Um, yeah, it's a lovely wine. I like it. Oh, it is. It's, it's super lovely, but it perhaps doesn't get to the heights that Pinot gets, but. Actually, that's okay. We love making wines that are accessible and enjoyable, but perhaps aren't going to last the earth or or cost the earth, earth to make as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's really nice to have a wine out there that is just friendly and inviting and vibrant and you know and and juicy. And you, you, it's just the, the the sort of the fun red to have. Yeah, yeah. Now, Matt, your winemaking style is that akin to what you were known for at Mount Difficulty, or have you launched different ways of doing things? I mean, in other words, is a dicey Pinot Noir very different from a Mount Difficulty Pinot? Yeah, I, you know everything's in an evolution. So you know, you you wine making, you you start out and and you, you move and and you evolve. But it's not only you that evolves; it's the vineyards as well. So um, you know, one of the lovely things is we've been able to step into vineyards here that are pretty close to twenty years old. So you know, they're not they're not just youngsters. And when a vineyard's really young, all it can you you really get just fruit expression mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. Um, and as it gets older, you, you see a lot more interest and a lot more sort of um, complexity and things coming from the vineyard. And we're lucky that we're, you know, we're, we're not having to start off with really young vineyards that can only sort of express that, that fruit forward nature. And that's where Central came from. Um, but, you know, I think we've moved a long way in the last little while um, in not just having those sort of really f- large fruit forward wines to wines that speak a, a lot more about place. Mm-hmm. So for us, what we're doing here um, is a lot more about place. You know, we have two vineyards that we source our Pinot from. Um, our Bannockburn is a blend of those two. Um, and then we have single two single site selection wines as well. So you know, the, for, for me, it really is like, how do we talk about Bannockburn through the, the lens of wine? And then how do we talk about those individual two vineyards through the lens? And, and what's lovely is that those two vineyards look at each other across the Bannockburn. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're, they're sort of 500 metres apart, but they're, they're very, very different sites. And the wines that come off them have um, a very different personality and tell a very different story. Yeah, that is always so interesting. It, it really intrigues me, the terroir differences, you know, even though uh, two vineyards might be very close, as you say, and yet the expression is so different. It's a fascinating subject. Now, growing wine in Central is, is as you mentioned in the beginning, you know, it's a tough and challenging environment down there. How do you guys cope with it all? It's tough and challenging, but, but rewarding. Um, and I think, you know, it is cold, and we sort of said, touched on earlier, that, you know, it needs to be sort of at that edge to, to be making great wine. But it hasn't, it, it's not, it, it's not, um, it hasn't, it's been yielded, it's been giving at the same time. So whilst it's been challenging um, from the point of view of of um, making making great grapes, because that's the, the hard part is, the, is always the growing um, you know, people people give the, the wine making the kudos, but it's it's all in the growing. So, you know, those the conditions that that make it 
tricky and challenging also provide us with with really great grapes. Um, and the bits that we were all really concerned about in the early years, and some of you always touch touch wood when you talk about them, you know the the amount of frosts we get in the spring, mm-hmm. the amount of frosts we get in the autumn. Yeah. Whilst we were really concerned that they would be at a level that would create significant damage, um, what what's actually transpired is that it's been they've been less damaging than we thought they would, and they've been more able to be controlled. Mm. So you know, whilst we we thought that there'd be you know seasons where we'd lose entire sort of crops, we've we've had very few of those seasons in central and. Um, you know, a lot of it comes down to your your site selection, um, and you know, for the for our two, certainly for for our black rabbit vineyard, um, there are no wind machines. There's no frost protection, and the vineyard's never been frosted. Wow. That's not to say that that won't ever happen. No. Uh, and no. that's why you always touch wood, and yeah. you know, you 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 hope that the uh, you have benign God smiling when you have these conversations, because yeah. as soon as you say that, you can be sure that you're you're going to be <laughs> frosted. So let's, let's hope, hope that not. Let's happen. hope not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. do you have any? sort of worst or best memories of seasons like anything that really stands out either very positive or very very sad I think it's just the fact that everyone's so individual you know all of those seasons have been so individual in the 20 odd years that I've been here Nothing. You know, we've we've been lucky that we haven't had any complete dog's breakfast mm-hmm. um, and we've had a bunch of really really good vintages um, but all a lot of raw individual vintages, and it, for me, a lot of it is about you know celebration, celebrating the individuality of the of the climate and the season, um, and being able to express that in the wine. So, you know, as I say, luckily none that's sort of in that in that real dog box of oh that's a that's a disaster. Um, you know, we've actually been been lucky enough that we've been able to to make passable wines even in the even in the cooler and more trying seasons like. Uh, maybe 2005, and, we, and we've learned a lot from those seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get another one like you do in 2020, and you 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 apply some of those learnings that you had earlier on, and the the vines are that much older and more resilient than they were um, back in the early 2000s as well. So, there's, you know that that vine has a has a, a not a memory, but it has more of ability just with larger root masses and all of those things yeah. to be able to keep cope with some of the seasonal variations that we do get. Mm. Now, now Central, of course, is a very famous wine region, but it's also one of the smaller ones in New Zealand. And with climate change and economic turmoil everywhere, etc., etc., where do you see the future of, of the Central Otago wine region? Where are you heading? Yes, you know, that's a, a really good question. And I don't think that we, any of us really have a, uh, the, the crystal ball to be able to see exactly what the what the future lies. Like, I don't think any of us understood what a pandemic was until it was a, upon us. Mm-hmm. So be a very brave person now that says that they can sort of see what that future what that future and what the future risks are for us. Um, you know, what we do know with climate change is that there's more variability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that those that the storms that we're having and the seasonal variations seem to be magnifying each year rather than rather than getting easier so, so so some of those so the unpredictability i think of the climate is one of the challenges that we're gonna that we'll certainly face and you know ha- how to manage more extreme heat stress how to manage more um, extreme droughts how to how to deal with some of those things as well as more extreme rainfall events 
you know, those those are definitely going to be challenges that we're that we're going to face. And but are those the only ones? You know, hopefully, mm. hopefully, things that we get to 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 face, we can we can sort of manage. Yeah, and deal with. Yeah. Now, do you think? I mean, Pinot Noir right now is, of course, around eighty percent of what the region produces. Um, but you already, like others, you know, uh, going into other red grapes like Ma and Syrah, you mentioned. Um, so do you think that number will change? The main focus on Pinot will change? Or what do you reckon? Uh, look, the Central is pretty much built on the on the bedrock of Pinot. Um, and uh, unless the, you know, and, and to change that is quite a, a long-term scenario. You know, you've got vineyards and people have, people are sort of banking a lot of, a lot of their time and effort and energy into, into growing. Um, Pinot, as the climate changes, uh, you know, it, it may change the, the nature, but we are right on that cool end of the spectrum. So the climate will have to get a, a lot warmer um, to boot Pinot out as that sort of the, the, what, what the main variety in central here is. Mm, mm, yeah. Now, I want to change the subject a little and talk a little bit about your background, because you were actually born in South Africa, from what I understand. Is that correct? I was born in South Africa. Yeah, yes. and when? How old were you when you came to New Zealand? Um, I was I was five when we came to New Zealand. So we were imported into New Zealand by um, Corbins, um, who was one of the one of the wine companies, or well, one of the sort of the two large wine companies back in the back in the seventies. Yeah. Um, at that point, it was actually owned by Rothmans, the cigarette company. And when you say um, you were imported, that's because your dad, Robin, um, worked in wine in South Africa and then was offered work here, correct? Yeah, yeah. So my my mum and my mum, my mother and my father, they were um, they were keen to exit South Africa, and they had a, a list of countries that that they thought that they both travelled a little bit when they were when they were younger. Um, my dad had travelled through Australia. Not New Zealand, but Canada and the States, uh, as well as Europe, and sort of could really see a some you know an, an English-speaking future and an ability to grow grow grapes. Um, and he had trained um, through an agricultural college in in South Africa as a in viticulture and pomology, which is the growing of pome fruit like pears and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was really looking at where, where could he take that expertise, and, and funny enough, New Zealand was was high on that list, and, and New Zealand was where he got the first job offer from. Mm-hmm. Um, so Corbin's offered him a job setting up um, vineyard uh, in in Tolaga Bay, right out in the Eastern Cape. Um, so there's no no vineyards left there anymore, but oh, there's one small vineyard actually out there north of Gisborne. Yeah, north of Gisborne. So, um, the, so you know, Corbin's imported the family, um, and uh, Robin set up a, a vineyard for a couple of, a couple of hundred acres, actually. Um, and you have to think this is in the sort of late seventies. We came into New Zealand in seventy seven. So, um, the very yeah, early the, days of the modern yeah, wine business. Very early days of the. And you know, at that point, they didn't think that Marlborough was going to work. They thought Marlborough was too cold. There were grapes down there, but it wasn't. It hadn't seen the success that you know that arrived in the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were sort of casting about for other places that that had potential. Um, to, so they were looking for slightly warmer climes. You know, the the problem with it was is that that sort of high rainfall, um, the the rich soils, 
um, you know, they, 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 they're great for growing things, but Pinot or, or grapes like to struggle a little bit and, and those are arguably sort of almost too ideal of growing conditions and they grew perhaps too, almost too well there. Yeah, and then then uh, you moved south, uh, and your dad, from what I understand, was instrumental in starting Mount Difficulty. Well, we had yeah, we actually we we had a whole period in the um, in the Bay of Plenty. Um, so I, I I really grew up in the Bay of Plenty, a little place called Cutty Cutty, mm-hmm. um, and my, we sort of Robin wasn't so keen on working for the corporates, uh, and that was where the sort of the the, the end of the the viticulture endeavour at that point. So we did a couple of years with Corbins and, and then went to Cutty Cutty to, to set up a queue for orchard um, and to, to make that a viable thing for themselves. Robin set himself up as a consultant. Um, so essentially um, helping Queen Street farmers with growing kiwi fruit sort mm-hmm. of the, through the 80s and um, that whole period. So we spent a, a sort of all of my childhood was spent in the in the Bay of Plenty, um, and um, it wasn't until uh, my brother had gone to university in, in Otago, and we actually ended up doing a couple of family trips down here. Um, that that sort of grape growing reemerged as a as, as something that that would be perhaps a the next stage for the family, and that was when my mum and dad sort of looked around and, and actually bought bought the block in, in Bannockburn that went on to become the Long Gully Vineyard for Mount Difficulty. Yeah, and is it thanks to your dad that you then later on got involved with uh, Mount Difficulty? Uh, yes, yeah, so, so certainly that you know, there were there were four early shareholders in, in Mount Difficulty, so my folks were, were one of the sort of the, the early shareholders within the business. Um, and uh, for the for the first couple of years, Grant Taylor, the first year Grant Taylor made the wine uh, of Bali and Gibson Valley fame. He was still at Gibson Valley at the time, mm-hmm. um, and I'd I'd been offshore and was making wine um, as a flying winemaker, and had uh, made wine in in Oregon, focused on Pinot there, and had gone to Italy and made some, some wine in Italy, and also had vintages in South Africa. Um, and Burgundy. So you've been and, around. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So, it, 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 and it was sort of timing that that they w- wanted to. No, they really wanted to sort of step up, and and really was just getting going. Um, but they didn't want to build a winery. Uh, they they didn't have sort of a the faith or the confidence that 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 would that they would potentially fly. Right. Um, so. My father and I and my mum built a, a little contract winery um, in '98 um, for the '99 vintage, um, and that that became and, and Mount Dibley was was our key client right from word go, um, and we made wine under contract or the Mount Dibley under contract for a couple of years um, before before the Mount Dibley partners decided it was time to get sort of serious, and they actually bought. The, the winery from from our family, um, and that became the, the sort of the genesis of of the Mount Dibley Winery. Built a, a new winery, which is the one that's still um, on site today in Felton Road. Yeah, and which really has started out your career as a as a very well known winemaker down south. Now, with your brother James, um, I understand that he originally worked as a chartered accountant specializing in computer audit for 10 years, and then he retrained, and he completed a graduate diploma in viticulture and enology. 
And he runs a business uh, with your dad, or he did, because he's taken over the business, the, the Great Vision. What was that all about? Yeah, so effectively, um, uh, when, when mum and dad ended up in Central Otago, they sort of, uh, again, needed uh, some, some sort of cash flow, and, and so they actually sort of recreated the business that they'd had in the Bay of Plenty, managing kiwi fruit orchards by um, essentially setting up a, a, a vineyard management and consultancy firm down here called Great Vision. Um, and so that was really sort of the, the, the get-go, and that was the, the – Robin used his, his expertise and his knowledge um, of growing grapes um, to, to essentially set up a lot of vineyards within central Otago. On behalf um, of other wineries. Yeah, on behalf of other, yeah. other, other people. Uh, and a lot of those have gone on to become wineries in their own own right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the original sort of vineyards have, have sort of morphed from from just being a vineyard into actually being a, a winery operation. Um, so the, the, that that had that running since the sort of the early 1990s. Um, and uh, my brother James, as you said, had trained as an accountant and was busy running sort of large SAP implementations and computer implementations as an accountant, um, but wanted to come home and, and sort of get his, get back to New Zealand and, and not perhaps doing some of those sort of large accounting sort of things. So he came back and actually did retrain as a, as a, as a viticulturalist uh, and worked alongside Robin for a, a number of years um, before eventually um, buying, buying, slowly buying my folks out of the business and then yeah. taking the, the business over. Yeah, and so, actually, yeah. four years ago in 2018, uh, Robin, your dad, and your brother James were named Viticulturist of the Year in that famous Gourmet Traveler Wine Magazine Awards. That's that's uh, a nice little thing to be known for as well. Yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've done an amazing job um, all throughout Central Otago, sort of. Developing vineyards and, and managing vineyards um, and providing consultancy services to the to the wine industry. So you know they they really have had um, a big input and a big impact into the local industry mm. here um, and, and and establishing vineyards and and then the ongoing management thereof. So yeah, so there's yeah. no way getting around the diceys down south. Now, <laughs> w- with your your brother uh, and dicey wines, now your company. Um, how do you share the work? Uh, who does what? Given that, as you said before, you know, wine is really made in the vineyard. Yeah. So, so James, James sort of does the, the viticultural overseeing. Um, and then um, my wife, Alison, she actually does all the vineyard management. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's sort of very active in the, in the business as well. Um, and then the, I've sort of jumped into a little bit more of the, the business management. James helps on the business management side of things as well. You know, that's a, a skill of his as well. Um, so running the business and, and making the wine is sort of the, the, my sort of two areas of, of sort of endeavour as well as, as well as the sales. You know, it's a, just a small business getting going. So you have to wear um, all hats when you're, when you're doing that sort of thing. So, and that's, where, that's what I'm sort of wearing at the moment, as many hats as, as possible. Yeah. Do you also do contract work for other wineries still? Um, n- not really. We, you know, we, we have just built our, 
our, ourselves a winery here in Bannockburn um, this last year, mm-hmm. um, and we do have a couple of people that, that make wine in the winery, um, but, but they're, they're winemakers in their own right, so it's more providing them a, a space that they can, they can do what they'd like to do rather than us being contract winemakers per se. Yeah. So is Dicey Wines a, a company where you see your own children getting involved one day? Uh, who, who knows? You know, maybe if if it's a career path that that they that they want to want to embark on. Um, you know, my oldest is at university doing doing the engineering degree that that I failed at, um, <laughs> and and she's clearly a lot brighter than I am. She's she's doing really well at that. Um, my and she she actually did quite a few. Um, years of helping out at Mount Dooley in the lab and and things of that nature, um, and and now my son is doing the same. So he's in you see, year twelve at school, and he comes in and helps top and you know grabbed his forklift license and helped us in the in the winery this last season. So mm. you know it's not it's not something that we're pushing, um, but yeah, if they if they did jump into the business, that would be fantastic. Yeah. On that note, Matt, our time is sadly up. So, Matt Dicey, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing your stories with me and our listeners here on Fresh FM. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.